This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalife. I think I saw one of your posts um, somewhat recently where you're like, listen, when this first happened, I'll be, I'll be <laughs> honest, I didn't really take it seriously. And I was kind of in that bucket too. I think it took a while for people to, to, to get more serious about it. What, what has that been like for you, given that, you know, you, you obviously were looking to do a lot of speaking and stuff like that on the side. So just wondering, how have you dealt with this impact? Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I'm in the general camp before this of like, oh, you know, Ebola, Zika, nobody really died from that. You know, there's a new disease every day. Uh, you know, the whole like at the beginning of this year, there was like the whole hashtag World War Three starting and Iran's going to bomb us and all this stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I, when I first heard it in January, I was like, obviously, this is a joke. February, I was like, yeah, this is still a joke. And then beginning of March, um, I still really thought that, but then people like started telling me like, now nah, like this is going to change the way that we live for an extended period of time. And then, um, and then, yeah, man, then ever since then, I mean, it's, it's been so weird because I've got so much going on. So many events, had a TEDx talk, had so many, so many different things, book launch events. Um, That's right. Your TEDx was supposed to be now, wasn't it? In April or was it May? It was supposed to be like two weeks ago. Oh, Literally shit, got canceled a week. Yeah, a week before. I remember because it, it was it was in uh, Iowa. I think you said right, wasn't it? Or it was in uh, it's in Illinois. It's in Illinois. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah, it's like outside of the city, but um. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that kind of threw me for a doozy. But then I also had my book coming out, which was March fourteenth, and yeah. so um, which some obviously ups, I want to talk about. Yeah, some ups, some downs. It is really still a weird time, but I think now I'm just sort of recalibrating kind of processing what's really happening, processing my emotions now that I have extra time. So it's um, <laughs> to really reflect. Yeah, seriously, man, it's, it's been a doozy. I know I'm going to look back at this time and be like, what happened? It's crazy. <laughs> and hopefully well, you know, in a good way. It's funny. Cause uh, so, so I obviously working kind of during the day with, with the TSX and, and being part of the markets, I would, I would always be told that, listen, you know, being a millennial and stuff, I, I've never really lived properly through a recession. Right. Like I feel like as a Middle Easterner, I've, I've had my share of quarantine, but it was more related to things like war, as an example. I mean, you know, being in Lebanon in 06 and stuff like that. Um, mm. But that w- that's a bit of a different angle. I've never really lived as an adult working, having responsibilities through a recession. I think for a lot of us in this kind of age bracket, it really is our first. 08, I was still in high school. Uh, yeah. You know, the ones before I was a toddler. So like when 9-11 happened as a black swan, if you want, uh, we weren't really mature yet to to really conceptualize what's going on yeah totally i mean i'm in the same boat i've never kind of gone through like a global uh crisis especially something like this obviously but um but yeah i mean i'm i think all in all it's just you know like i'm glad it's it's weird right because like as an entrepreneur you know i think you have to take things day by day because Mm. nobody knows what's going on but you also have to have some kind of like plan that you're building for the future or else your business is going to go out. And so it's, I'm like kind of between those two, but, um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, it's, um, it's, it's interesting, man. It's interesting, dude. And I, I get like, I was thinking about this yesterday. If this, if this had happened like four years ago, man, I'd be way worse off. And so I'm, I'm grateful for like the, the real things. Like I don't have any real problems. Like I can, I can pay my bills. I'm still making money. I'm healthy, all these things, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a crazy time. And I think, uh, I think after this, 
like it's gonna this is gonna build like a callus and us like the same way that people that went through 9-11 in terms mm-hmm. of like the economic stuff you know i think it'll do the same thing yeah even just like you remember after 9-11 i remember in the airports they really upped the security like there had to be some consequence from it and i think the, the whole notion that we're just going to go back to normal is, is very flawed in my opinion i i really can't see that dude uh, I, no. I can't just see people walking like immediately let's say tomorrow they shut down the quarantine everybody just goes outside handshakes hugs like i'm not seeing that happening uh, and i hope that doesn't happen because i don't think that's smart uh but that that's good to hear i'm, I'm glad to hear at least you're you're keeping positive regardless of what's going on you know one of the things i did want to say congratulate congratulations on was was obviously the book uh so i posted that on my ig which a lot of people saw and so you were writing uh, screw being shy for quite some time now i, I mean i've been following the journey for you know, since, since yeah. inception. so so yeah man yeah, go ahead yeah, and I just, I just want to address what you said before of us mm. going back to normal. I mean, I think yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think that everything is going to change after this. Everything. And whether it's, you know, people that work at companies realize that they could have been working from home in the first place, whether it's kids or college students yeah. basically realizing that their teachers just take the same curriculum that they find online and all the answers are online and it requires no actual. Yeah. And uh, there's that, the healthcare system. I think the government is going to change. I think a lot of things are going to change. Maybe I'm a little bit too optimistic, but you know, I, a lot of people like me, like, um, Aubrey Marcus, like a lot of these leaders in sort of self-development, real transformation, not just con artists Mm. are always talking about like, like this, like this global waking up of consciousness of the fact that like people are slowly, whether it's, you know, through their own struggles, their own potential mental health issues. Um, they listen to podcasts, they read books and people start to wake up to really what matters, what it, what it actually means to, to be human and, and the choice that we have now. And so I think hmm. right now, unfortunately, the same thing is going to happen. And I think people right now are sort of in shock are in scare mode. And a lot of people haven't processed it yet, including myself. But I think after people are going to ask themselves like, wow, I was never taking care of my health before. And, you know, we know that if you have X, Y, and Z health conditions, you're more likely to get Corona. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about my business or like my, my financial Digital future. strategy. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, like that's, I think it's, I think everything is going to change on an individual level and to be optimistic, I think systems are going to change. I think the healthcare system and the government and like, I just tweeted this yesterday and it's like, I think it's so crazy. The fact that we have like this system, we have like this government and everyone's like, Oh yeah, you know, we're better. This is awesome. This is great. It's all just fronting. It's all just theory. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, until like a real legitimate threat comes along and we see everything collapse. And so how vulnerable I think that, you could be. Yeah. Yeah, especially with healthcare, especially just like with how our society views what's important, doctors, nurses, the 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 lack of supplies that they're getting is it's not even about the lack of supplies, it's just about the fact that um uh not even necessarily supply chains, but the fact that the government isn't even letting uh, like certain kinds of masks being imported into the country. So mm-hmm. a major part of it is just bureaucracy. And when you look at that, it's like, it's literally going to cost people's lives. And so I think all in all, when we look back at this, we're not going to tolerate these systems that we have today because they're so like 90% of it is fake. 10% of it is real. It's the real structure. And there's real people in the government that actually do care. 90% of it has to do with 
uh, theory, people fronting people mm -hmm. like the same way that we talk about, like people trying to get more followers. It's like the, the same next thing. Election it's, just, cycle. it's just high school. Yeah. It's just high school. And so I think after that, we're really going to wake up. And so I think it'll take a while, but, um, but yeah, aside from all the bad stuff that's happening, I'm very grateful that this is happening overall in the grand scheme of the world. Well, I love your point around, uh, it's actually something good to, uh, good to share more about on the individual level. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy how it's almost like an, uh, an analogy where, you know, when, you, when, for example, you'll get sick, right? And the first thing people think of is their health. But everything freezes in that moment. You don't care about your work. All you care about is it becomes very self-centric because now you're, you really feel the pain and you're like, shit, like I need to get myself better. That's the only priority I have right now. You know, when you're in a recession and you didn't build, let's say, an emergency fund or let's say you splurge extremely uh, <laughs> you know, prior to this, you're really yeah. feeling the impacts now, right? Um, so all these things now become more apparent. And, and sometimes it takes a bit of a slap to wake up, right? Unfortunately, but. Yeah, I mean, as Gary V says, like, we got to get punched in the face, you know, and so I think it's finally That's happening true. now. And I and then I, you know, I hope this doesn't like become something like terrible, like millions of people die. But, um, but yeah, I think this is gonna overall wake us up. And, um, and, and, you know, to be quite frank, like, I think a lot of people are gonna come out of this uh, way worse than before. And then I also think there's gonna be a, a percentage that come out way better. Way and better, I think yeah. people who um, never really dealt with their health physically, emotionally, mentally speaking, they're going to get way worse quarantine. I mean, social isolation is probably the worst thing that you could do to your brain. Uh, on top of that, you have drugs, alcoholism, and then you have like, um, parents and kids. There's a lot of domestic violence. There's a lot of stress. Like I've seen a lot of people on edge these last few weeks. And it's just kind of a reminder for me to like not take it personally, just because I don't know what that person is going through. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe someone is dead. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, all in all, I'm just trying to like, and also like for me being who I am, I'm also trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I craft a message that can get through to people? Because there's a lot of people hurting through this. And so, um, and so, yeah, man, there's a lot going on, but I'm just trying to figure out how can I best kind of fit myself in this that can actually help a lot of people. Because the matter of the fact is, is like, if you look at this from a leadership perspective mm -hmm. uh, in companies or just influencers or whoever, I mean, you already see people who are falling companies that, um, you know, are, are doing things that are, you know, that they have to do, but um, are really screwing people. I think everyone's going to remember that like five years from now. And I think like, I think there's going to be a major shift in just the way that we view leadership, exactly. power. And so I think, again, all in all, it's good, but I just hope a lot of people, more people don't die. Yeah. Well, <laughs> especially on the reputation aspect, man, uh, that, that's something good to talk about too, because you know, when this settles and eventually it will, I mean, given how things will be afterwards, I, I can't comment, but when this thing will end, your reputation is still going to be there. So if you're the one who's like skimming and being sketchy and doing all these weird things, that's not going to go away. People are always going to, especially in a time like this where people really yeah. need that value. And then the final point, and we, I was actually talking to my girlfriend about this who is studying psychology and Ooh. typically always will bring a different angle. You know, we, we, awesome. we always will have different kind of uh, mindsets towards things. But for me, maybe similar to you, when these kind of negative situations happen, my immediate thing is, 
look for the positive, right? You know, take old showers, go for walks, listen to tapes, do all the stuff that we know would help you from a self, uh, self-development perspective. But sometimes she says, you know, it, it's not, uh, it's not maybe constructive to, to let go of the, of the negativity either. You know, like you, and you yeah. have different people who deal with things differently. So not everybody can just wake up one day and like, yeah, let's get it. Like some people deal with things in maybe a longer magnitude. So when you're constructing that message, yeah. I think that's an important thing to keep in mind is because I've been struggling with that too. You know, how do you resonate with people on right. different mindsets that don't share the same vantage point that you do, but still, but still yeah. be productive in, in your message? So. Yeah, yesterday I was talking to um, uh, Dr. Susan David, and uh, she's like a psychologist at Harvard. She's done like multiple TED Talks. And um, yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking about this. And, uh, and I, I made this post like two weeks ago because like, you know, personally for me, what sort of like how I've been dealing with this is that, um, you know, March 14th, um, kind of like the week kind of before this all hit, mm-hmm. I was already like grinding super hard. I was in the middle of like, kind of like putting the final touches on the book launch, like working super hard hours, really hustling, really grinding. And then, um, and the world collapsed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I, and then, you know, with that, a lot of cancellations, a lot of completely had to switch plans. And then I tried to like do that same thing and hustle again and again and again. And I realized what I had done was basically like I was running this marathon before this whole Corona thing happened for my book. And while my book was launching, the world kind of shut down. And so I kind of felt like I had to run another race without really resting. And so maybe like a week after my book launch, dude, I I got burnt out. I probably saw myself mentally and emotionally in a spot that I hadn't seen myself in a while. And it was because of what you just said of like, I was trying to like just brute force, just hustle, 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 grind, yeah. grind, grind my way out of it. And it finally made me realize like you, you don't have to listen to every motivational speaker, every entrepreneur, every Navy SEAL that tells you to go, 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 go. Sometimes you literally need to sit back and do nothing and you need to exactly. shut off the world and just process your emotions. And so, exactly. I mean, I think now is the time uh, to, to, to do that. Um, but also it's, um, and I love what your, your girlfriend kind of said, and I, man, I wish, man, she's majoring in psychology. Don't like go over her. <laughs> but, um, she's a keeper. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, all in all, it's just like, um, especially I think someone like me who's, maybe I call myself a workaholic, <laughs> or an entrepreneur, um, always sort of like go, go, go. And I think mm-hmm. now how we're sort of in these confined spaces, of course, like, yeah, people can still be hustling. People can still have packed calendars. But I think now with the extra time, it's kind of giving us time to process our emotions and a lot of things. Because I know for me, like March was crazy. Last right? month blew by in like, it felt like a year, but it also flew by in like a second. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it really just kind of enabled me to see the fact that, um, you know, we're all very much human and we've really got to focus on that. And like, there are these tweets going around of like, you know, Isaac Newton invented calculus <laughs> during the bubonic plague. And, and it's just like the matter of the fact is, is like, I think we have to have a fine line between people not doing destructive behaviors, like addictive behaviors during this quarantine mm. while also, um, you know, because if they do that and they'll come out of this worse. 
Um, but also like trying to find a fine line between like not, not trying to be Gary V uh, or David Goggins, Ooh. not trying to be David uh, Gary V or David Mark's Goggins. Yeah, yeah. Well also kind of like trying to take a step back and realizing like the whole world is on pause right now. And, um, and, you know, hustling money uh, is, is not always the number one, you know, goal. And sometimes you can hustle in other ways, other ways, like yeah. trying to understand your emotional intelligence, all your psychology, all these things that can make you grow faster and better sort of after like this season of the world is done. So it's interesting. Yeah, like <laughs> if you had some stuff you're putting aside, this is the time to catch up on it. I've been talking to a lot of colleagues, dude, who uh, it, it's kind of sad to hear, but I, I've literally heard this mark from probably more than 10 people in the past week who tell me this is probably the, the, the only time that I've really sat down with my family for dinner. You know, before this, like I would barely see them, right? I was traveling all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So from a family perspective, you're seeing that um, from a health perspective too, which is hilarious to me, you know, it's, it's not weird, weird, like contradiction. I mean, before where you had th- gyms uh, at your fingertips, you can go to parks, you can run on the lake, you can do all this thing. Now that you're, you know, you're freaking quarantined in your condo, everybody's doing these push-up challenges. You know, we're, we're doing these like prison workouts. Yeah. I'm like, you know, you had to wait for this to really, to really start going after it so it, it is a good wake-up call man and it, it just depends w- which way you're looking at it um for you sure. too like when you were writing uh obviously i want to catch up on both the book and the podcast but first on the book just because it's more timely now y- you were writing it you had you know you had this plan to kind of do this mass launch before obviously all this craziness was was going to happen what did that look like and, and uh, two questions there actually from from someone who you know, I, I think this is the first book you ever write. So how was that yeah. process? Like just even, I kind of want to dig into the science of like, how did you, did you break time to, to actually write it every day? Was it, was it a struggle? And then when you, when you finally pieced it together and you read it again, how did that feel? <laughs> yeah, man. So it was a, uh, it was a real struggle. It was terrible. <laughs> and I remember I was, uh, I was out. No, it's not easy at all. And uh, I was out in LA yeah. And I was going to speak at this event. I remember the night before I couldn't fall asleep because I just kept on having this idea of like, screw being shy, screw being shy. You got to write this book. And it was because like, you know, when someone hears my story, mm-hmm. um, whether it's on a podcast or, or, or in person or, or whatever, probably the number one genuine question that I get asked is somebody who you know, maybe would put themselves in the, in the bucket of maybe being a little bit too introverted, maybe being a little bit too shy, maybe even having social anxiety. And they walk up to me and they're like, uh, yeah, uh, Mark, uh, you know, um, how did you, how did you kind of, you know, go from this guy who, you know, didn't really talk to anybody to, you know, speaking on stages and doing X, Y, and Z. And so I kept on seeing that time and time and time again. And then I began to look at just what other books were out there. And I mean, there's a lot of great books like um, Vanessa Van Edwards has a great book called Captivate. There are books that have been written by like clinical psychologists that go deep into social anxiety, um, mm-hmm. being shy. But I, I had honestly yet to see a book that um, was written in a, like in a normal way that a normal person could understand. While not, also not Shakespearean English. Yeah, I get yeah, not Shakespeare in English, not like too scientific, but, you know, and then also addresses like the root cause. And so you're not just giving people tips and tricks to like, here's how to network better. Uh, mm-hmm. And then actually going deep into like, 
the science, the way that I understand it, the way that it's, um, the way that it's verified, the neuroscience, and then how to like conceptually put these things in your life so that the ordinary person doesn't just sort of like read a book and then just forget about what they read, but how do you make this long lasting? And then how do you just go into the more practical elements? And so when I was just kind of looking at that, I was like, yeah, this book doesn't exist. And so I just kind of went on this crazy quest to draw, to write this book. And I remember when I was leaving LA after I got the idea, I started writing it in the plane. And um, I, I think I had written like, like a 20 five hour pages. Flight, right? Yeah, some, some like tw- 20, 25 pages. And I remember like the next day I was reading it and I was just like, what kind of third grader <laughs> wrote this? And so I literally deleted the entire thing and I had to do that many times. But ultimately, um, you know, what I had to do was kind of like just lay it out, um, kind of structure it out, like not in my brain, but outside, kind of go mm-hmm. down like a, like, a, like a memory path, so to speak, of like what is the best info, what is the best conceptual understanding that I can – give somebody depending on where they are in the book where they can kind of follow it like a path and then Mm -hmm. after that it's just I I mean I wish I would say I I wrote every day but ideally every morning after the gym my brain's in a state of flow I got a cup of coffee and I would just write for like two hours and sometimes it wouldn't happen but um but yeah that was basically it and I mean dude I mean there are so many stories like the book (sighs) the first editor that I hired Mm-hmm. she literally told me you know hey mark your content is really good but your writing is so bad i can't work with you anymore so you i like you have to hire someone else so i literally she she quit and so i mean there are so many journeys like that but um you know all in all uh it's been a great uh it's been a great journey and um i've gotten a lot of feedback from people i've sent it out to my friends who are like new york times best-selling authors and clinical psychologists and a lot of them have endorsed it to to entrepreneurs like david Meltzer, and so um so yeah man it's been a pretty interesting ride and for me the main goal of this was yeah i really wanted to focus specifically on people who are shy people who struggle with being themselves in front of people the same way that you know for me i had social anxiety for a solid 10 years of my life and as a result of that placed so many boundaries of my life unknowingly i had no friends i couldn't talk to people i mean i would try to go to like a convenience store like a restaurant and i couldn't talk to the waiter or waitress and so i mean after that and and then also seeing the fact that social anxiety is the most common anxiety condition in america and out of all the anxiety conditions it's the most linked to substance abuse and social isolation both which lead to suicide where I almost kind of fell into. And so when I was kind of taking a look at these, I was like, this is a much bigger issue because people who don't face this issue. And even if they do, like, I didn't know I had social anxiety when I was going through it. This problem is largely invisible. And like, people think like, Oh, what, you know, so you're, you're a little bit shy. Um, But it goes much deeper, much, much deeper than that. And the matter of the fact is, is, you know, if you look at, like being an introvert, for example, there's nothing wrong with being an introvert. When you look at the psychology definition of an introvert is defined as somebody like the way that their brain works is they have a tendency to just predominantly focus more on the internal world, thoughts, emotions, feelings, and they get energy from that. 
Mm-hmm. And so introverts have a higher susceptibility to maybe becoming shy or maybe even socially anxious. And so this problem is largely invisible and yet it causes so much, so much discomfort for people. And I, and like in my book, I talk about, talk about this study that was done by Stanford university and they followed people that had social anxiety throughout their lives ever since they were kids, which is usually when it begins. And they found that those who, you know, aren't just a little bit shy, those that don't grow out of it, but actually have social anxiety, it leads them down the road to having no, no, no close relationships, which is one of the predominant number one factors of having a happy life, uh, having terrible careers because they're not being themselves at a meeting or in the office. And eventually it leads them to either, you know, whenever they do have to uh, be in a social situation, that's at work or whatever, they mm-hmm. either lean towards substances, alcohol, sugar, vaping, whatever it is to shift their state of mind, or they go the other way of social isolation where they're like, I'm not going to talk to anybody. And both of those are a very, very dangerous path. And so when I was kind of taking a look at all these and taking a look at like the lay of the land, I was like, Dan, this is such an important topic. Yeah. Well, I also love, I love the fact that it is really focused. Number one, number two, it draws on your experience. And number three, when you're reading it, it comes from like I can resonate because it's it's almost a person that's, you know, a, a, an arm's length away from me. You know, it's not written from someone who has like a PhD. I mean, not that it's a bad thing, but sometimes right. that can be a bit difficult to digest, right? Because it's like, I, I don't know if I can resonate completely. Like, what do you understand uh, fr- from someone who's in their 20s? But when someone in right. their 20s is writing this who actually went through it and, you know, gave you the science of how to get out of it, it's a very different outcome. Yeah, so definitely. I love, I love and I'm, piece. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I'm glad. And I, I mean, I reference people who like our doctors and, uh, mm-hmm. and researchers and stuff in my thing, because I think that, you know, um, you know, if I just kind of went in there and I just kind of talked about my story, um, you know, I think that's very anecdotal and I don't think it relates to everybody. Not that everything relates to everybody, but I think for me, the real, the real major part of it was the science. Be- and, and for me too, like just understanding that that gave me a great platform because, mm. you know, for me, when I was kind of going through this, like I said, I had no idea this was even a thing. I had no idea I had social anxiety. And, um, and the moment that I realized that this is a real thing, this is like a scientific thing in your brain, the more I kind of went from like, oh, this is just a character flaw. This is just me being a moral failure mm-hmm. to this being like a science project, to this being like an equation that I can begin to change the inputs and maybe get different outputs. And that's some of those things are backed up by science in the various ways that I talk about in the book. And so yeah, that was a major part of it too, just for, just for understanding. And I think, of course, science can't prove everything, but I think that science is a, um, is a, is a language that can help kind of tie in a lot of things that we've always known uh, that are now sort of being shown by research. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and for those wondering, what, what does like, uh, I mean, I've, I've wondered this at times too, because you know, you have the yeah. podcast, more recently you were writing, I think you do some consulting on the side. You have the VR uh, venture as well. I'm I'm assuming people wonder all the time, like, what does a day in the life look like? What what do you spend most (laughs) of your time doing? Is it recording? Like, I'm just kind of wondering if you can shed light on that. Yeah, I mean, so dude, honestly, the podcast is something I just do for fun. It it takes up very little uh, amount of my time. Like, it's just for me, it's like a breather. Um, You do all the edits, like the, the packaging, the Instagram, or do you get someone to do that? Uh, I mean, it depends. Like if I tweet something, I'm, I'll put it up on my Instagram, but, um, 
editing, no, I don't, I don't really do that. And some content creation I don't do, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me with all the different things that I do, um, I think the main thing that I'm trying to do here is just like, you know, even though I kind of had, you know, these mental, emotional problems growing up, I was still very successful financially speaking. I was making six figures when I was 15, 16 years old. And yet that's when a lot of my problems got worse. I've had um, people on my show, like the co-founder of Netflix to various people who have told me like, you know, Hey man, I, I had, you know, X hundred million dollars in my bank account and yet I was going to kill myself. And so I think kind of looking at all these things and then also looking at the fact that, you know, one being that, um, you know, my parents came here to America from Egypt. The fact that I'm Egyptian, I'm Middle Eastern. I mean, dude, there's so much stigma around mental health in general, but especially around the Middle East and parts of Asia. And, um, and I think that's really, really hurting people. There's a lot of, um, you know, with like the conservative culture, especially with guys telling them, oh, you shouldn't act this way. You shouldn't feel sad or you shouldn't, um, you know, cry or you shouldn't do these things. These things are very, very destructive. And so, I think I'm sort of making it my mission here to, um, to honestly just spread messages and, and movements and practical knowledge and actions that people can do the same way that I've been afflicted by these issues. And there's literally millions, if not billions of people who have these issues that may not be talking about it, that may not necessarily understand it, that may realize it when they're 45, or they may realize it when they're 85 and they're on their deathbed. And so for me, that's kind of the number one thing that I do, whether it's um, like I'm on an Amazon Prime documentary series, uh, I'm on a board of a nonprofit for an education, all these different things that I do, that's the message that I'm trying to bring because it's so, 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 so important. And ultimately it's like, I mean, dude, you could be hustling all day, but mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not taking time to you know, take care of these things, whether it's exercising or meditation or eating healthy, then the hustling doesn't even matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, what are you going to do? It if also you won't have... last. I mean, it's yeah, it also won't last. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we've both, both of us have heard stories of people that like, you can, you can be successful. You can make money even though you're not um, healthy per se, but it might hit you like 10 years later. And so that's the real message that I'm trying to bring out in all the different ways that I do that. And then I'm also trying to explore, like, I think one of the biggest things that I'm trying to do is like, I see a lot of people who, are, are like thought leaders or, or influencers or authors or, or people like me. And I think a big thing that I'm aware of too is like, how do I make sure that I don't lose touch with who I used to be? Because if I lose touch with who I used to be, then how can I communicate a message to the people that most need it? And so that's also a way that I'm doing it. And so I'm trying to like, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's through filmmaking, uh, trying to use other forms of media to kind of talk about these things rather than just like, straight up black and white using words. Um, that's also like an area that I'm trying to get into, whether that's with exponential technologies or not, but that's definitely a big area because I mean, I think that you could sit, like you could have somebody who has these problems sit in front of a motivational speaker and they could tell them to have a great mindset and to be positive. It doesn't really do anything. I mean, I think it'll do some stuff to people who are already on their way there, but just have you know needed that encouragement. But I think a mass, a vast majority of people are are living under um, false positivity, and I think mm-hmm. that that is is toxic in and of itself. And I think it leads to a lot of bigger emotional issues like shame, guilt, which eventually lead the potential path towards mental health issues. 
And so that's also like a big area of what I'm trying to do. And, and that like always takes constant refining, experimenting. So it's, it's interesting. Well, it, it's crazy too. Cause I always think back of, and, and I do, obviously I tell you this all the time and I don't, I don't want to just say this cause we're on a podcast, but you know how proud I am of you. And the, the big reason I think that that is, is so the first time we were connected was probably two and a half or three years ago. Mm. Uh, we were doing the let's get honest campaign. Uh, and then yeah. you ended up the video and I, I'm not sure if you were active on LinkedIn before that, or whatever, but I'm curious no. to know, like, well, first of all, it's crazy how that was pro- maybe the first video, I think, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. First book, then, yeah, first video. Right. You launched the podcast, the book, you're on, on the, uh, the Amazon show as well, social movement. And it's just insane, dude. And I, I'm kind of curious, like, what was that tipping point that you felt maybe switch that, switch that trajectory for you? Yeah, man. So I was, um, so so like the time on that I view, so in 2015, that's where I kind of fell into my rock bottom where I was obese. Uh, my lifelong social anxiety turned into social isolation and I began to get seriously depressed and I was about suicidal for three weeks. That happened in 2015 towards the end. And, um, and then 2016, I was like slowly, slowly climbing out of it. And by the end of 2016, I had sort of not necessarily built a plan because I honestly didn't have a plan, but I had built a solid foundational, uh, solid foundation in my head where like, there's no going back from this. Like I, again, like I'm, I still have a lot of problems. I still get anxious. I still have insecurities, but that was sort of the line in the sand. And I remember I filmed that video on LinkedIn at the beginning of 2017. It could have been in the middle. I'm not sure somewhere in 2017. And I remember I, I randomly did it because, um, because, um, I had just seen it and I had already been trying to tackle my social anxiety at that point. And I had gotten ahead of it and I was managing it much better. And I was just, I remember it was, it was 8am at this time I was still in college and I was, it was 8am at the library. There was nobody there. And I was just like, kind of like in that, I was pretty tired. So I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to film this video. And so I honestly just kind of did it on a whim. And, um, and I remember after that, like the fact that I, I got feedback from people because previously up to this point, other, you know, other than like my friends, my family, nobody really kind of knew this mission that I was on. But when I had kind of put it out there in the world and I saw people that commented like, Oh, you know, you're so brave for talking about this. Or, you know, I go through the same issue too. How did you do this? Mm-hmm. That gave me, I'm not necessarily confidence, but I think that eased my shame a little bit because I think the biggest issue that I had been running away from was I was trying to hide the fact that I had social anxiety throughout my entire life. And so, yeah, I mean, I actually talk about that specific challenge and that specific video in my book because it was super, super important for me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the probably the tipping point was, uh, at the beginning of 2018, I, I got really serious with myself and I really began to hustle on my podcast and in my business. And probably by the summer of 2018, I was living in an apartment with two of my friends. Man, like, dude, I honestly, I honestly probably locked myself in my room and just hustled. And, um, and like every time that I interviewed somebody, whether it was, um, you know, this billionaire or this person, all those little pieces began to add to me. And so like, for me, the real tipping point was that summer of 2018 where I just caught like a real stride. I got like Seth Godin on my podcast. I got Naveen Jain. 
I got a lot of people, people, um, and then Apple also like ranked my podcast in the top 100. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't like, now that I look back at it, there was no, like, because it's all just sort of mashed into one. There's, mm-hmm. there was no like real tipping point, but I think that that was definitely one. And so I mean, small dude, successes I, essentially that, that added yeah, up. Yeah, Small right? successes. And, and dude, to be quite frank with you, like I see a transformation in myself probably every month for sure. I think this year, I've gone through so many because so many different things have changed even before Corona, even before my book mm. that, um, that I'm always applying. I'm always learning. I'm always challenging my ego. That's probably the number one thing that I've learned of like the ego part like once. Yeah. Like once you think that you're a successful podcaster, or once you think that you're a best-selling author or once you think that, Oh, I don't have social anxiety anymore and I'm super confident and I'm successful. I think that is the time where our ego begins to build a, um, a home almost in our psychology that prevents us from growing and prevents us from being our, our authentic self. Mm-hmm. And so I honestly feel like that's the big game of like constant, like every other month I'm like, Oh no, damn it. Like that's not the I thing. I should improve here or I should do something better. There. Yeah. I should improve here. Like I'll tell you like in 2019, 2019 was where I really began to feel the real success. People mm-hmm. all over the world were inviting me to come speak at first it was for free. And then I started to get invited by like fortune 200 companies and like, Hey Mark, we're going to give you X amount of money to come to talk to us about something that you would normally talk about for fun. And so as that began to happen, my business grew a lot of other kinds of success. And I really kind of felt myself, um, not, not being my real authentic self. I kind of felt myself living within like this digital persona, this ego, um, that, um, that really, um, like I was trying to hide things from the world. I was trying to, to not kind of like go on this growth journey. I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about, but ultimately that happens all the time. And I think that happens all the time with all of us, but the ones that are honest enough to admit it are the ones that we kind of hear, um, these, uh, these stories. And so, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, like, for example, like this month, um, you know, I had sort of, again, the book is not necessarily super, super about my life story, although I definitely talk about it, but I had sort of taken my life story, a lot of the things that I had learned and kind of packaged it up into this book. Then I was also, you know, had so many book launch events. I was speaking next to Gary V. I had a a TEDx event, all these different things. I know you were speaking at, you're going to speak at Hastings Hustle with Richard Branson, a lot of people. And so for me, like this, like, like I, I didn't realize at the moment, but in the back end, my head was like, all right, Mark, this is the time when you make it. Like, this is like the little kid version of me being like, oh, you know, going back to like all those bullies and all those people who wronged me, like, oh, you know, I, I proved you guys wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and then also at that same time, I had sort of equated in my brain of like hard work equals success. And I still believe that to be true on a macro level. But for me, I sort of equated that and I began to get entitled of like, I've done all this work. I've been marketing a ton. I've written this book. When this book launches, my entire career is going to change and I'm going to become like super successful and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, I mean, again, like the book has been doing awesome, much better than I expected, but a lot of things have uh, failed. And so that was kind of a time for me to, to like reexamine and be like, you know, I think I have all these values, but in my day-to-day life, when I'm working on like these big projects with other people, a lot of the times it's, it's, it's very hard 
to, um, to, to actually do that on like a moment to moment basis, even though we think we are. And like, that has a lot to do with like our emotions, what's going on under the surface, the logical part of our brain that gives us reasons and stories to do something. And so, you know, honestly, man, I'm kind of sitting at a point where, um, like, I'm just trying to go right and like, not in a negative way. I'm just trying to go in like hibernation season, like in myself and trying to like dig really deep into who I am with like the lack of stimuli that's happening because I think success is one of the greatest things to happen to you, but it is also one of the most dangerous things to happen. To if, you. if you're not like ready, I, right? If, if you're not exactly. ready. And quite frankly, yeah. I think, um, I think, I think there's always levels of success. And I think with each level comes the unpreparedness. Yeah. Of your responsibility. And like a lot of the times, like, unless you have, and even if you do have a good mentor that's been to where you've been to, it's very hard to kind of like realize the future problems that you're going to have until you have them. Yeah. And so uh, that's a big part of it. And like another big part of it is like, you know, I'm not naturally a, a positive, healthy person. Like that's just not how my brain works. Now it's getting there. But another big thing that I had to realize is like, I've never prepared for success before. You know, I've been mm. preparing my whole life for, for being unsuccessful but now that, you know, I have, uh, you know, the, the money that I've never had in my life, the, uh, the, uh, the, I don't know, the credibility, the, the status, whatever. Um, now I've sort of got to prepare for those things in a way that I can integrate them in my life. Because I mean, I definitely think that power is a, is a drug. And I, and like, I see it in myself too, of like, as I learn more about human psychology, as I learn more about um, things like neuro-linguistic programming, as I learn more about body language, I really realize the insane amount of power that I now have mm-hmm. to change people. And that can go in good and bad ways. Like a lot, like unfortunately, like a lot of people who are, like are using self-development, there's a percentage of them who are not using it for good. And they're using it to manipulate people, to screw people. And I've, I've seen that this year, not personally, quick but I've seen it with my and- friends quick schemes and like, and even a lot deeper, like darker psychological stuff, like with people's psychology, people like I I'll have a conversation with you off the air about this, but yeah. yeah, Like I think seeing that you can go both ways. Like you can literally completely change somebody's life or you could totally mess somebody's life up. Once you begin to like really understand these tools that I've been learning from Mm. the best authors on the planet to like government leaders to billionaires. And it's, in a way it's, it's really scary, but it's also like we can completely change the world with this. And I'm just trying to be a part of that conversation. I might not be, you know, the person that changes the world, if that's even a thing, but I want to be on that team. I want to take my strengths. I want to give that to the team because I know that that's probably the most meaningful thing that I could do. Um, and so, yeah, man, I don't know. I just want to like a major tangent. I have no idea what you're talking about, but no, it's, it's interesting. Good. I, I think, uh, you know, the thing I resonate personally with a lot with what you said is, um, and I heard T.D. Jakes, he's like a, a preacher, but I, lo- I love T.D. Jakes, man, for those who don't know him or listen to him. And he basically says like new, new levels bring new devils. Um, and, and, <laughs> I love that. And I even felt this, right? Like, you know, becoming a VP at an early age and stuff like that. I always thought like when you talk about that moment, right? Or it's like a YouTuber who puts out one video and thinks that one video is going to go viral and it's going to be the epitome of success. And it doesn't, not necessarily that it doesn't become successful, but maybe not to the level that you thought. Uh, right. And I think it's probably a good thing to think about now before that happens, because when it does happen, you might not be prepared, dude. Like even think of financial success, right? Everybody thinks about how great it is. 
but do you know how many NFL or NBA players go bankrupt? Like, yeah. you know, one of them who talks a lot about it is Antoine Walker, who I think lost a hundred million, went bankrupt. I mean, how the hell do you lose a hundred million? Damn. You know, well, well, the, the real thing is when, if you right now, Mark, are not financially sound, you don't have a plan, you've never even studied this before, you don't have that aptitude, and tomorrow I just send you a hundred million. And obviously you're not going to say no to that. You're like, fuck it, bring it on, buddy. Well, if you wake up tomorrow and you look, look at your checking account, you see a hundred million. You might not know what to do with that. You know, and, lose and, that. <laughs> exactly. Just like Antoine Walker did. And, and it's unfortunate, but he does talk about that story. So just, it reminds me. How old me are you, of, George? I forget. How old are you? Uh, 26. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 22, you're 26. And I think this is so important to focus on because, I mean, as, as much as you and I are both successful right now, dude, we're going to get, we're going to be so much more successful in the future. And, um, and yeah, exactly. new levels bring new devils. I new love devils. that. I'm gonna, but it's I'm about that stamina. That. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you that link to that episode. Cause I did listen to it when I was taking on this role and, uh, it, it was pretty much just to get in, in that right mindset, right. That now the work is, is, is starting for me, you know, just cause you, you're, so for me, it's always like, I'm, I'm working towards accomplishing that. It's not like when you're given a role. So let's say you're a top podcaster. Now it's about you executing as a top podcaster. When you get the rank, it's just you getting to that level. But now it's, it's almost like defending a UFC title. You're right. you know, a champion is never like uh, sort of um, favored just because they won that one title. If you look at the best in history, like Jose Aldo and, and maybe uh, Steve Miocic, like they have defended their titles multiple times. That's mm-hmm. a real fucking champion. You know, so, so it's, yeah. for me, it's more about stamina, right? Yeah, I think that's so important. And for me, the way that I perceive that is what I've learned. And, and I, I mean, I thought I learned this lesson early on, but it just comes back. But um, there is no arriving in life. And so I think like when you look at human psychology, human psychology has a tendency to create like a destination, to create like this fantasy. And the reason why it does that is so that we can hustle and bleed our faces off and work in the moment. It's like that person that's like, oh, one day I'm going to retire. I'm going to sit on a beach, you know? And so for me, when I was 15, 16, and, and you know, my parents came to this country with $200. We lived off government housing, food stamps. I wore the same clothes to school over and over again. And for me, when I got access to a ton of self-made money when I was 15 and 16, I also went through that of like, wait, I thought I was supposed to be happy, but I was still a loser. I still had so many other problems. And so I think that's a constant theme and it's really made me realize that there is no arriving. So like literally tomorrow, if I become a billionaire, if I, I don't know, invent some kind of technology that like saves the world, like a coronavirus vaccine or something like that, there's still no arriving. It doesn't matter how much fame, credibility, and even in good ways too. Like even if you have reached a certain level in your mindset, in your psychology, uh, with your ego, there is no arriving. And the moment you think you've arrived, you're, you're screwed. You're not growing. And I talked about this with, um, with Jay Shetty earlier the last, last month before Corona began in New York city. Yeah. And he was telling me, he was like, dude, like people think that I still don't get lost today. And he's telling me like, if I don't, if I'm not constantly learning, if I'm not constantly pushing myself and that gets harder to do as you become more successful, depending on what you're talking about, then you also feel lost. And so I think a major part of it is like, this is the human condition and whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever, I think a major part of it is like, you just have to understand the like human nature, the human condition. And like, you know, whether it, you know, whether you believe in an afterlife or not, whether you, you don't, um, or whether you just kind of look at it, like if you're an atheist, you look at evolutionary things and whatnot, it's like, 
our, our brains were not meant to have an insane amount of, uh, of, uh, of wealth. Our brains are not created to keep us happy. And so when you begin to look at it that way and you like realize the, like the game of like our brain is always playing these tricks on us. Our brain is, is always taking like these back doors. I, I talk about this in my book, like a, a major part of our reality is constructed from what scientists call cognitive biases and distortions. There's anywhere from 62 to over 300 of these. Nobody really knows. And, um, and these are like shortcuts that our brain takes. So like, for example, like if you want to copy and paste something on your computer and like you use your mouse and you highlight it and you double click and you, you, or you right click, you hit copy, you go to a document, you right click it, you hit paste, or you could just click it and hit control C and then control V. Our brain has done that, but with every single process and problem that we face on a daily basis. And sometimes it's not always right. And so that has a lot to do with like our our psychology. It has a lot to do with our childhood. It has a lot to do with our psychological trauma, our emotional health, our, our mental health, our environment, how we grew up, shame. And so when you take a look at like this big, big factor, you know, it's not as simple as one plus one. It's like, we, we are, uh, like I interviewed Robert Green and he's like, we are an ecosystem of various ideas, beliefs, people, the, you know, the way that people feel around us, we, we get into their emotions and it's like, we're all connected. It's very, very complicated, but at a basic simplistic level, I think it's super important for people to understand, like not even the, the game, but like the game of the game, like the nature of the game. And like, that's what's, once you realize that, even if you do have like a, a bad moment, you, you are, whether, you, I don't know, like you call yourself, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty young, so I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna say this with a grain of salt. But uh, I think after you understand this, any new problem that comes, you might still, you're definitely gonna feel the pain. It's definitely gonna suck. But you have like this thing in the back of your brain that's like, oh, this is, this is just life. This is how pain works. These are how my, these are how my emotions work five years from now, 10 years from now, things are going to be way better. And so, yeah, I think that's, a, that's the main thing that I'm focusing on of like the big, the big, big macro game and, and how the game in and of itself is played and how the game is even being played in the first place. And so I'm mm. definitely a spiritual person, a hundred percent, but I also think that our reality is a, our, the experience of our reality is a combination of our environment with uh, different neurotransmitters firing in our brain, different cognitive biases, different brain chemicals being secreted. Like I'm sure you've seen like happiness and sadness are different brain chemicals that are being secreted at different um, knobs and levers of serotonin and dopamine that literally create how you feel and what you do in a moment to moment basis. Mm -hmm. And so when you take a look at that, like underneath the hood of like, what is our existence? What is the game? That's like the biggest thing that I'm focusing on now, because that's something that's never going to change no matter Corona recession, depression. And so that's a, that's a big thing. And then also not getting too theoretical about it and not conceptualizing it too much to where it just becomes like a, a far idea. off idea and yeah. you've built your ego because you think you're great and you're not actually doing those things every day. And so, yeah, it's a real, it's a game. It's a real mental, mental matrix. That's why I think of it. Dude, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, I, I did want to cap it off with one thing. Um, for people, you know, obviously aspiring to be podcasters or even writing a book and, and being kind of in the early 20s, what, what have you come across that you've learned? Uh, actually, 
two questions. So yeah. this one I ask more commonly, which is, you know, something, maybe a piece of advice, experience, et cetera, that you learned. The other one is, what's the one thing that you've done, let's say this year, so January until now, that was completely different from what you, you were used to doing? Oh, that's a good question. So the, the biggest thing that I've learned to answer the first question is, um, I have a friend of mine, his name is uh, Akshay. He wrote the book called Fearvana. And um, he said this quote that I was like, wait, what? Um, he said, happiness is the creation of new problems. Hmm. And so when you begin to look at it that way, it's like, it's really strange because problems never go away. Like it doesn't matter. Like if you reach, amount of, like if you reach a certain amount of money, you're still going to have potential I mean, you're, you'll have different financial different problems, problems, but you're still going to yeah. have problems. And so when you look at it that way, problems never end. And so, you know, you could like, for example, like with this whole coronavirus thing, like let's say you, you had really serious social anxiety. Let's say you were socially isolating yourself and now you're sort of forced to do that. And you now sort of hate this problem because now it's out of your control and sort of life slapping you on the face. But if you had been creating problems before of like, hey, I'm going to really try to manage this social anxiety. I'm going to really try to work on my mental health, which is very hard to do. And you're mm. creating these problems every day. You're going to be in a better spot than where you are now if you didn't do those things. And so I think as life moves on, I'm always trying to create new problems. So and one of those was, uh, was a book, right? Uh, that mm. was major. Um, and the second question you asked me is what's like a new thing that I've done this at the beginning of this year. Um, I mean, dude, I think the biggest thing is like, um, I made a, um, both with the book, but also I made a, a LinkedIn course where oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Where people can buy it. And so I think I went through a major part of where, of course I, I had like had a business, but I had never really kind of put it out on my social media or like my brand. And there were parts of me like that were being like, Oh dude, you seem like a scumbag. You seem like a, a, a salesman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you, you know, are you really doing this? Are you, are you scamming people? Are you taking advantage of people? All this stuff. And so that's been a major, major thing. And then also feeling that with the book and then also with the book, it's like, I mean, not only am I selling the book, but it's also like, you know, it's, I'm like, I don't, I don't have shame or I'm not, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to talk about my story or anything like that. But it's like, now that I have sort of lived through this and I've packaged it up in a book and now just strangers can read it. That's like a whole other. Yeah. I mean, dude, I talk about things in my book from like, um, you know, wetting my bed every day for 10 years, even though I was an adult. Uh, I talk about the fact that I used to shoplift and do illegal things. And I mean, I talk about, I, I really try to expose myself because in a way that I can help people. And so when, you know, when I'm talking about these ideas and someone reads it, it's a whole other level. It takes of vulnerability. A lot of courage, man. So yeah. many, so many emotions arise when people tell me things and I get feedback. My ego is always constantly being challenged now. And so, um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's like, it's such a new process and it's a uh, roller coaster. It's a roller coaster, but all in all, I, I would I would do it ten times over again because, like, if the twelve year old version of me could read this, be proud, man. man. That that makes my life so. Cool. Well, I appreciate you, Mark. Uh, for people who want to get in touch, I'm assuming LinkedIn, IG, and obviously the podcast Humans 2.0, which I've been on twice. Uh, Boom. 
and I'm grateful for that. Um, what else can I say? So, uh, so Amazon. Get the book. Yeah. Obviously, screw being shy, which is what we talked about. Um, yeah. And then the social movement on, on Amazon, which is, is it season two? Yeah, or? which is not out yet. Um, okay. Hopefully, if that's not canceled, it uh, should be out by the summer. But, um, but yeah, no, it should be interesting. And, um, and yeah, book. Uh, but depending on when the podcast, this podcast is up, the audio book should be out. So definitely people to check that out. Um, and the book is just and, on Amazon uh, as well, but I'll link that stuff. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Um, I would say anywhere you get books, but to be honest, I'm not sure. But many places you get books. Let's, let's keep it at that. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, bro. Yeah, you're the best. If you found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.